Welcome to Sex, Body and Soul. I'm Kate Roberts, founder of The Body Agency. And on this show, we talk about the marvel that is our bodies, what they can do and what they need to thrive. Ladies out there, our time is now. Let's get to it. Speaking for myself now, I have found my cell phone in the fridge, my car keys in the bathroom, and I completely blank out trying to remember friends I've known for 20 years' names. On a daily basis, I feel like I'm losing my mind, and it's terrifying. And a lot of people will say, okay, that's this, that's that. No, I truly think I'm losing my mind. Now, our next guest, Elise Shunkowitz, knows all about this way too well. She's a holistic psychotherapist, a brain-based coach, and has worked in psychiatric hospitals such as Bellevue. She has presented nationwide to doctors, lawyers, physical therapists, psychologists, psychotherapists, all about holistic health and brain training. Who knew we needed brain training? I certainly feel like I do. We forget that our brain is one of the most important organs that we have, and it needs healthcare too. Welcome to the show, Elise. Elise, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's so great to be here. I've been really looking forward to this. I have too. I would talk about losing my mind all day long if I could, because I feel like it's something that happens to us all. It seems to be happening to me a lot as I get older. And it's something that obviously we've talked a lot about in the past. I seem to recall I met you at an event that I moderated in New York. Mm -hmm. And we had a whole array of different champions talking about menopause. And there you were beaming away. You really are a ray of sunshine. I'm very happy that the industry of mental health has attracted you in because I think that, you know, the stereotype of person who usually becomes a therapist or, you know, works in mental health, you know, is a different type of person than you. And you are just like a big ball of energy and sunshine. So I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. That means a lot. So let's start with what got you into all of this, because you are a therapist, Mm -hmm. full transparency. Yes. And you have also worked in mental health. You've been at Bellevue, which you really need to tell us about, because when you think of Bellevue, you have this image in your mind that the movie's pain of people who are really struggling have gone to the next level and are literally put in an institution. So tell us a little bit about who you are what your experience has been so far and why you decided to go down this pathway. Yes. So I am a holistic neurotherapist. Mm-hmm. And what I do is I help people integrate and optimize their mind, body, and brain so they can perform better, feel better, and ultimately live their best lives. And my journey really started with my own mental health experience of really feeling like I was so stuck in the system for so long. So Growing up, I went through a lot of trauma and domestic violence and abuse in my household, and it just resulted in what felt like a slew of mental health issues in my teenage years, in my 20s, 
anxiety, depression, eating disorder. You know, you said you feel like you're losing your mind sometimes. I felt like every issue just bombarded me. Mm-hmm. And I spent years in the system on so many medications, on Xanax for over 15 years, every antidepressant that was probably on the market at the time, I think I had trialed, stimulants, sleep medication. And I wasn't really getting better. Lots and lots of therapy. Ultimately, I ended up going into the field, I went to social work school and I got out and I got a job at Bellevue Hospital, which is the flagship for the New York City public hospital system. For those of you who don't know of it, it is basically the default hospital for NYPD and EMS. So any case they pick up on the streets, they bring to Bellevue and we have a prison floor. We're just working with the probably most chronically mentally ill and sometimes dangerous people in all of New York City and actually the world because people come from all over the world to New York City. And if they have, you know, severe mental health conditions while they're here and they end up going to the hospital, they'll end up at Bellevue. Okay. We need to break this down because you've just given us a lot of information. So let's start with you. Mm -hmm. So you grew up with turmoil in your family. Paint the picture of that a little bit with your mother and father screaming at each other. Like what was going on? What were you experiencing that you believe led to your mental health breakdown? A lot of chaos in the home. Mm -hmm. And from my father, unfortunately, just a lot of abuse. Towards you or to your mother? Towards all of us. Oh, no. Yeah. And, you know, now that I study inherited family trauma and family constellations, really start to understand where this is trickling down from, right? It's like Mm -hmm. not just that one person that is causing the turmoil and chaos, but it comes from so many generations before. Mm. So that's something that I've been diving into a lot to better understand. It's hereditary. Yeah. Super, super interesting. And that's a whole other path that, you know, we could go down sometime. But, you know, I ended up, when I think of my childhood, it's just a blur. A lot of it is just trying to manage. Mm. And from that, my nervous system became so overactivated where I was running on stress hormones for so long. And ultimately, it's interesting that when I think back now that I've worked so much to heal my nervous system and continue to, being at a place like Bellevue for half a decade, and I worked on the inpatient psych unit, I worked in the psychiatric emergency room, in the mobile crisis unit, it puts fuel in the fire, right? If you're already someone who your nervous system is so addicted to chaos, and now you're sitting in your office, there's a window right to the psych ER, you're trying to do your notes, and there's a patient screaming at you and banging on the window. And for me, that was nothing. I could just sit there. You become so immune to it because my nervous system was so used to that chaos. Mm -hmm. And I've learned so much about how that has impacted my hormones. And it's been very interesting. I know you interviewed Dr. Suzanne Fenske recently, Mm -hmm. who is a friend of mine, and I absolutely adore her. That's where we met because she had invited me to that panel that you were facilitating. Mm -hmm. And I've learned so much about the connection between trauma and hormones and what that looked like in my nervous system. Yeah. But ultimately, when I started at Bellevue, I was on so many medications. I mean, I felt like a grandma leaving the pharmacy. So let's talk about that for a second, because we have so much to cover. And you know, there's so much of what you have said, we kind of need to unpick, right? Because first of all, and I do believe this, that most therapists go into the business because of their own personal trauma, right? That I know. Second of all, the medications, right? So there are so many medications, whether it's like Lexapro or just anxiety medications. There's then things like ADD, and I'm sure you were on 
all of those. And did you mention that you also had an eating disorder? Yes. For a while, I also okay. struggled with an eating disorder as well. Yes. Which I did as well. And I absolutely believe that these eating disorders, and you probably know way more about this than I do, but having suffered, I know it came from my childhood, like a coping mechanism. So with all the pills, how old were you when you started to get on these medications? I started around 13, 14. Okay. And what did you start taking? Back then, it just started with a, an antidepressant, but then layered on was the benzodiazepines, so like the Xanax, the Ativans, things like that. Sleep medications, kind of like tried them all, the Lunestas, all of those, and eventually a little bit of a stimulant even. At one point, I think I was on maybe four right. psychiatric medications. Like Adderall? Yeah. One of the stimulants, I think it was Vyvanse right. at the time that I was taking. From what I know about you, you now are off everything, right? You are clean living. So we're going to get onto that. Yes. So you had the eating disorder, you had a turbulent family, so you just didn't have that good, stable upbringing. You then find yourself in Bellevue with literally all the street problems piling in. You're still taking all these medications. I mean, <laughs> I just don't even know how to ask this question, but how did you survive that? Because I know that I would be too fragile to go into an environment like that. I mean, I kind of do similar things when I go to the developing world and I'm surrounded by poverty and there's zero mental health support in those countries for anybody. And they've had immense trauma, like genocide and losing their families and whatnot. But how did you just look after your own mind and brain when you were surrounded by that chaos? It's a great question because it was very challenging. And I barely made it through my first year there. In fact, I remember my mom was just like begging me to leave. She's like, just quit. Mm -hmm. At this point, it's not even worth it. And I'm like, no, I must go through with this and have it on my resume. And yeah. you know, they say, once you work at Bellevue, you're superwoman, you could do whatever you want afterwards. So a lot of it was, in the beginning, it was very hard. I thought I was going to be a patient there myself. I was having suicidal thoughts. I was dealing with my own issues and anxieties and depression and in therapy for eating disorder. And you know how the universe kind of like magically works out for you and mm -hmm. brings people into your world that you need in the moment. Yeah. I started bringing in people that were really well-versed in functional neuroscience, holistic healing, functional medicine. It started because I became a personal trainer at the same time while I was working at Bellevue. I always had an interest in fitness. A lot of it usually stems from eating disorder. Most people in the fitness industry will tell you at one point in the past, mm -hmm. hopefully it's in the past, that they did struggle with some sort of body dysmorphia or eating disorder. So I started working at a gym on the Upper West Side where it is some of the most brilliant personal trainers in the field. And a lot of them study functional neuroscience that they integrate with personal training. So it's basically brain training in order to enhance movement and athletic performance. So through that, I started working with some mentors and peers and starting to kind of get directed into different holistic practitioners in New York City. And within a year, less than a year, I got off the antidepressants and the Xanax and the stimulants, which were really three of the harder ones to get off of. I mean, all these medications are difficult to get off of, but I was sold. I was like, wow, I need to go study this mm. so I can help as many people as possible and learn as much as possible about the mind-body-brain connection. So Elise, let me ask you this. Um, you were suicidal even taking all those medications? Unfortunately, yes. It was nothing ever very severe, but people talk about passive suicidality versus active suicidality. Mm -hmm. So active is more when people have 
an imminent risk of harming themselves. And sometimes they may have a plan or intention or means to do it. Whereas a lot of people experience what's called passive suicidality, where they might have fleeting thoughts that they don't actually necessarily want to have. It can be actually very scary to have thoughts like that of, I don't want to live, or maybe if this car hits me, things will be okay. Mm -hmm. So it was more of that that was coming in and out from time to time. Mm -hmm. But it was a struggle. It's definitely a struggle when you feel that way because, you know, the brain is wired for survival. That's the number one job of our nervous system and brain. And when you're feeling really down and you're in a negative place, the brain is just always scanning the environment. It's a very powerful organ. Yeah. What do I need to do to survive? So it's really in more of a half glass, empty type mentality of everything feels negative. So what I keep thinking about is, well, first of all, I should disclose that one of the worst moments of my life, my brother committed suicide. And he had Parkinson's disease, which is already breaking your nervous system down and, you know, limiting your movement. And one of the big side effects of Parkinson's is mass depression. And he was obviously in that last stage of, I have a plan. I know what I'm going to do. He'd written notes. And he literally just did not want to be a burden on us as his body was going to break down. Absolutely awful. And I do not wish that on anybody. But when you talk about the lights, right? Like exercise and integrated health and all these positive things. When you are that depressed, you cannot get off your ass and go to the gym. Like, how do you do that? Right? Because when you are in that state, you are paralyzed. Absolutely. Yes. It is really, really hard. A lot of it is making small, minor habit changes in your life. Like what? For some people, and I have a lot of my patients do this, getting outside in the morning, getting sunlight in your eyes, because it will impact your hormones and your circadian rhythm, which will also influence things like anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. For some people, it's fixing their breathing patterns. One of the first things I do with most people I work with is I look at their breathing patterns and make sure that they're properly breathing into their diaphragm. So when you start to breathe properly, your nervous system can calm down and feel a little bit safer. And then ultimately, the safer your nervous system feels, the easier things feel in the world. I definitely try to push myself outside every single day. I mean, the culture that we live in now, we're like glued to our screens. We're either on our cell phones or we're on our laptops or we're on Zoom calls. And you just don't see the light of day, even if it's like to go outside and prune the roses. You know, I'm like, okay, Got to get outside. Actually, I really do go outside every day and prune the roses. I love that. I mean, it just makes me happy, you know? And I think it is a combination of vitamin D, the sun, the air, and nature, right? It just makes me happy. Yeah. Weeding is another thing. I love weeding. (laughs) I love that. That's how we're supposed to be, right? Like you live in a city, I live in a city. You know, we're meant to be outside in nature. We're meant to be in the sunlight and putting our hands in the dirt if you're weeding, you know? I even like mow my own lawn, right? I cut my own grass because it's also really good exercise and we should, right? It's not somebody else's job, right? You've got to look after your own greenery. Yes. So yeah, I think some tips on that are really, really important because gosh, I have been stumbling across this on Facebook and on Instagram. There's a craze to watch people stuffing their faces with food, 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 food. Oh my God. I don't think I've actually heard of this. Oh my God. It is so alarming. 
basically it's a person who sometimes is really overweight and obese and other times uh, it started in Asia. So there's these little tiny little girls like just eating massive, massive big plates of food, like 10,000 calories in one sitting. And it's a craze. They make millions of dollars in endorsements. Wow. I know. That's why. No. And it, it's really disturbing, right? That that is a craze, right? We, we want to watch people stuff their faces. And there's just something horribly depressing about that. And but you can't stop watching it. It's a little bit like a horror show, right? So we are faced with all of this online. And then on the other side of things, you've got the happy clappy Instagrammers who are like, here's me in Italy and here's me doing this and here's my Chanel bags. And you're just bombarded with all of this horrible noise, which I think leads to a lot of people to be isolated, depressed and not able to get up off the couch and have their aha moment of this is how I should be living, right? Absolutely. Yes. It's really hard. It's really, really hard. And the comparison and the toxic cultures and the obstacles that we face every day just in, like you said, being glued to our screens, right? That's going to cause so many issues of Mm. just the way our nervous system is meant to be outside and looking out into the distance, not always just looking in and down at a screen. And it's going to change our breathing patterns and our constant state of being in flight or fight what's called a high sympathetic tone. So all these things are kind of working against us, especially in our mental health and our overall health. Mm. So that's where as much as you can just make small, small, tiny habit changes, they add up over time, Mm. but Mm. they make a difference. So I would say that those habit changes, you know, it's the same old, same old, right? It's diet, Mm -hmm. it's sleep, it's getting enough water, it's getting enough exercise, But I believe it's wider than that because have you watched the Netflix Blue Zone? It's like living to 100. I've heard about it. It's very hot right now. I haven't actually gotten to it yet, but I plan to. I watched it. I think I'll watch it again because it's giving the listeners a blueprint of how you really should live your life. And I think people just struggle with that, right? They don't have the information. They don't believe necessarily that the head, the brain, the mind needs to be as cared for as the rest of our body. Mm -hmm. And there's certain things in that blue zone, right? It's basically a show about five places in the world where they have the most people who've lived past the age of 100. Mm -hmm. And it's places like Italy and Greece and Japan, which is where Ikigai comes from. And I mean, it's so motivating because it is little tweaks. Mm -hmm. It's little things like, okay, why in Greece do you live that long? Well, they eat sourdough bread and sourdough bread has these types of nutrients and it's good for your gut. And, you know, in Italy, it's about community and walking up the hill every single day to get the groceries at the market, which are fresh and organic and not full of preservatives like wheat. So I really do think that it's educating people on how they should be living their lives, but it's not just those things. It's also about community and finding your own happiness, Yes, which I feel like you've done successfully. I mean, you turned it around, right? Yes. You turned it around. I'd like to think so. I'd like to think so. It's been a lot of work. And the biggest thing when it comes to taking in toxins into your body, whether it be pollution or food or whatever, the biggest thing is your mind. Yeah. The first thing that needs to be quote unquote detoxified 
is your mind. And I just finished up, I'm studying with Paul Check at his institute in San Diego. I don't know if you've heard of him. Mm-mm. He's very big in the fitness industry, but I just finished his holistic lifestyle coaching level one certification last weekend. And he talks about this. It's all about healing the body, but he says the number one thing is your mind. Yeah. And a lot of the work that I've done on myself and that I do with my patients, especially when they're feeling really down and depressed and their self-esteem is so low because we know that when people are depressed, they feel worse about themselves. They feel worse about everything, but they especially feel bad about themselves is congratulating yourself on the small things. Even if it feels, I have a patient right now. I said, you're going to text me every day this week, three things you did you're proud of. I don't care if it's that you tied your sneakers and went out for a walk, Yeah, right? And even if you don't believe it and you think it's the most mundane, basic thing, I want you to lie to yourself and congratulate yourself, you know? So that's a huge part of it. And then another piece of it, which I love the work of Dr. Joe Dispenza. Are you familiar with? Mm -mm. Okay. So he is originally a chiropractor, but he teaches worldwide around using your mind to heal your body. And he was in a terrible, terrible accident when he was in his early 20s, I think it was, where he was riding a bike and he got hit by a truck and he broke almost all the vertebrae in his spine. And he was told he was never going to walk again and most likely be paralyzed. And his only chance was to get this surgery with rods in his back. And he actually refused the surgery and he used his mind to reconstruct his spine. Wow. It's really crazy. He has a bunch of books. He's on a bunch of podcasts. But I've integrated a lot of his work both into my life and my healing and with my patients. And he says, if you want to change your personal reality, you need to change your personality. And- What's really hard is that we think that we're living in the present moment, but what happens is, is that we wake up every day and we get out of bed on the same side of the bed and we take the same route to work and we eat the same things and we have the same thoughts and we interact with the same people. So ultimately our future becomes our past because we're just playing the same record over and over again. And in order to start to change who we are, we need to start acting differently and thinking differently. Mm -hmm. And that's really hard and really scary because like I said earlier, the brain is wired for survival and the way it survives is through pattern recognition or prediction. The brain just wants to know, can I predict what's going to happen next so I know whether I'm safe or not? And when you wake up and you have to be different and think different and act different, the brain doesn't recognize that. The brain doesn't know what that looks like, right? Mm -hmm. So that's where I'll do visualizations with myself. And just because I've gotten out of that thick depression and anxiety doesn't mean that I don't have rough times or that I don't have times where I am sad. And even when I'm having those times, I'll just take a minute and I will start to visualize what does it feel like to feel good? What is that experience? And not just a visual image, but how does it feel? Yeah. Like really, really embody that feeling. And it doesn't mean that I spend the rest of my day feeling that great. I might go back to feeling kind of crummy, but I'm trying to train my brain to recognize that feeling. Do you still go to a therapist? Oh yeah. I have so many holistic practitioners and my own therapist that I see and work with. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Because I was on these heavy medications for so long, I'm still doing a lot of repair on my body. Yeah. So I see, I have... God bless them because they have saved my life. I think my holistic practitioner, functional medicine, osteo guy. And then I work with my family constellation somatic therapist who I absolutely, she's been life-changing, Leah Kalish. She's out in LA. So let's talk about the 
medication for a second Mm -hmm. because, you know, full disclosure, my mother was bipolar and she chose not to take the medication, which caused havoc in our family. I'm sure. So damaging to all of us. You know, we had to deal. And then she drank alcohol to self-medicate and then became an alcoholic. So she was an alcoholic, bipolar lady and led to ultimately her having a stroke and developing dementia and, you know, the same old, same old, right? I would have much preferred for her to take the medication and have a normal mother, right? Absolutely, yeah. And I begged her to take the medication. She just wouldn't. She wouldn't acknowledge. And, you know, mental health in those days, right? She was born in the 30s. Mental health in those days, you could not even admit that you had a mental health issue, right? Totally, And she was also schizophrenic and ended up in a mental institution for a while. And so, you know, mental health really, really has been a major part of our family and our backgrounds. And now my daughter, who's 12, has been diagnosed with dyslexia and ADD. So we have started her on medication, which I did not want to do. I kicked and screamed, but it's really helping her because she can focus. And a lot of her distress and anxiety was coming from the fact that she could not focus in school and she could not focus in class. So my personal opinion is that the medication, I mean, in America, they prescribe it like Smarties, right? It's like, oh, you got a slight little issue. Okay, here are some pills, right? I do not believe in that. But I think in some cases it's warranted. But the question is, how long do you take that medication, right? Right. Is this medication she's going to be on for the rest of her life? What are your thoughts on this? So I have a lot of thoughts on this. And I actually just made a post on social media about it as well. So it's very fresh on my mind. I think that there is no bad medication, but sometimes a poorly prescribed medication. And it is my hope and dream that one day before prescribing medication, therapists and psychiatrists are sending their clients and patients for basic routine lab work, for hormonal testing, just to see what's going on in their nervous system. Because we know there's such a strong connection between the gut and the brain. We know that there's correlations between certain mineral and vitamin deficiencies and thyroid issues and hormonal imbalances with things like anxiety, depression, ADHD, It hasn't really been studied enough and it hasn't become mainstream. My hope is that if there is an underlying issue that we can heal it at the root cause and hopefully it will alleviate a lot of the symptoms that someone is experiencing. And I know right now I'm, instead of studying, I have a few perimenopausal women I work with who have struggled with severe depression. And instead of sending them to a psychiatrist first, I've been sending them to Dr. Fensky to look at their hormones and potentially do hormone replacement therapy. And it's been huge. It's been huge changes in their functioning and their depression. Mm. So I'd rather be able to heal things from the root cause. That being said, there is sometimes not enough time to do that. If someone is really, really severely struggling, I do send people to a psychiatrist to get medication because if it can improve the quality of their life and they can function, then yes, 100%. I don't want to poo-poo on the medication because it somehow got me through that time, right? I wish it had been done a different way, but 
I'm here in part because the medication did something at the time or some of them did. Now, I know for sure that hormones, and we've done a lot of shows on this very topic of really looking at our hormones and the imbalances. And especially when you go through menopause, everything changes. And if you talk about the symptoms of menopause, we know that mood swings is one of them. And you literally feel like you're losing your mind, right? You get angry, you get irritated, you also can't remember people's names from one second to the other. The brain fog. You've lost your cell phone. You've lost your keys. You don't know where everything is. I mean, it's so cliche, but that is what happens. And yeah. you literally, I'm like, oh my God, have I become an old person? Why am I suffering like this? And I worry, and I don't know if you have any information on this, but I really worry that we're almost not diagnosing things properly right? Like you go to your doctor and Dr. Fensky is a specialist, especially in menopause. So I definitely recommend her, you know, when looking at your hormones and your thyroid and all the stuff that also can be affected at time of menopause. But I worry that we misdiagnose these mental health issues yes, because of your body makeup and how everything's working. And this is why I ask, okay, well, When's it time to come off the pills? Because you're getting all these different symptoms at different stages of your life. And it's not just one thing, right? You could right. literally have a mental health issue. You literally could be bipolar right. or you could just have a hormone imbalance, right? Or a thyroid issue, right? That mm -hmm. all leads to the same symptoms. So I just worry about diagnosis and I worry about doctor's ability to diagnose properly. I completely agree with that. And it's something that I think about all the time with my patients because I see so many people come in with so many diagnoses, myself included, of having a slew of them during my teenage years. And then realizing that a lot of it sometimes will go back to medical issues, hormonal imbalances, and trauma. We see so many people who have trauma who are now experiencing things like ADHD or anxiety or borderline personality disorder, which is a hot thing to you know slap someone with a label of. And I do think about that a lot because we are so much more complex than a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Our nervous system is just constantly trying to adapt and help us survive. And it's doing so by having a lot of different outputs and experiences, some of those which are, you know, even if they feel like they're not serving us at the time, they are protecting us in that moment. I always say that the symptoms that people are experiencing, especially around things like trauma, when they're experiencing traumatic responses in a situation where they're not actually in danger, it's because in a past time in their life, they were actually in danger and their body was responding in a particular way, fight, flight, freeze, or fawn in order to protect themselves and stay alive. Yeah. And now our body may be inappropriately, I use that in quotes, responding in a very similar way to a situation that's reminding the body of the past, but you're not actually in danger. And I say, I learned this from my therapist, that's actually what's right with your body. Mm. It's not what's wrong. And now we're just having to learn how to rewire the system so it doesn't have that alert going off. But that goes back to the misdiagnoses of you know, people are experiencing things like these symptoms, these mental health symptoms that may or may not be just anxiety. It might not be just ADHD. It might yeah. be from a past experience. Have you heard of these full body scans that you can have now? Which ones? I feel like I've heard of so many different things, so I'm not sure. Sometimes well, <laughs> I've just started reading about them because, I mean, it sounds to me like a good investment, right? You basically, it's like a body 
MRI, right? You go in and they look at your brain, they look at your body, they can see if you've got any lumps or bumps or cancers growing. I'm obviously fascinated with healthcare, right? Because <laughs> I own the body agency, right? It's head to toe healthcare. And I'm yes. fascinated with both delivery of healthcare, but also prevention, right? Prevention is so much cheaper than treatment. And mental health is constantly overlooked. It's fueled with stigma. And again, it's misdiagnosed all the time, mm -hmm. whether it's medical providers don't have the right training or, you know, they're comfortable in one area and not comfortable. And I mean, that's exactly what I talked to Dr. Fancy about that. When I started to have perimenopause symptoms, I didn't know where to go. Like my GP was useless and just referred me to the gynecologist. And then the gynecologist was equally useless and, right. you know, knew nothing about hormones. And so these body scans to me are quite interesting, right? I think mm. they cost about a thousand dollars and you go in and I've had so many friends die of cancer related issues and family who've died of cancer related issues. And I don't know, I feel like a brain scan where we talk about diagnosis, so you really understand what's going on, could be quite interesting. Oh, yeah, 100% to see what might be causing other symptoms. Yeah. It's very, very true. Yeah, I have to look into this because I haven't heard about the full body brain scan. That's why I would love, like I said earlier, I want people to get lab work done before they're going on medication. Even though lab work, it's not always so useful. It's just a snapshot in time of what's happening in your system. Mm -hmm. But even if we could just see something, you know, kind of like the scan. In the last few minutes that we have, give us a list of your self-care. From when you wake up in the morning, I want to know what you do. You seem like a ball of happiness to me, right? Which is fantastic. And you look so healthy. You might need another 40 minutes for this one because it's so long. No, but I'll consolidate it. And I also want to make sure yeah. before we wrap up, I want to make sure I answer your question about how long to stay on the medication. So make sure we circle back down. Well, start there. Start with the medication and then go on to your self-care routine. I think that if you are on medication, first of all, I work with many people who are on medications. I have people who come to me who are on medications and love them and want to stay on them forever. I have people who come to me, they're on medication, they'd like to get off the medication. And then I have people who are trying to find alternatives to medication. I would say that if you are someone on medication, but you don't want to be on it for too long, that it would be a great idea to start to do some investigating in your health. Maybe it's one of these body scans, like you said, maybe it's lab work, diving into some holistic resources. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of functional medicine doctors and holistic doctors are not always financially accessible. And I understand why they've went through a ton of training to get to where they are today. And our insurance system is all, it's all a mess with reimbursement. So I get that it's not always accessible. What's really cool with social media now is that there's so much information out there that you can kind of piece the puzzle together yourself. If you can, you know, if you can do a lot of deep diving, but I would say, see what you can do to start to change your habits. Like we said earlier, I always say people need to be grounded in the basics, move well, breathe well, sleep well, eat well, get outside in the sunshine, have good relationships and community. Those are the most important things to ground yourself. Yeah. And then from there you can start to build up. So really giving your nervous system, the nourishment that it needs, the thoughts, like I said earlier the mindset. Yeah. The mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Start to slowly shift things and it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. It may take years, but once your body starts to have all of that and everything is integrated and aligned, it will be easier to come off 
the medications if that's something that you want. And there's detox things that happen. It's very hard to come off these medications. I love, love, love Ellen Vora's book, The Anatomy of Anxiety. She dives into this a lot and she takes a very nuanced, not black and white stance on these things, which I really appreciate. But that's what I would say is that it's you know, everyone is so different. So it's not a direct answer of how long you should be on them. But I would say that if you start them, they're helping you right now be able to function better Then hopefully because you're functioning better, you can start to integrate those habits into your life. Yeah. So that's what I would say. I love all of this. And I could talk to you for another two hours about all of this stuff. So we're just going to have to get you back on, Elise. But thank you so much for all your knowledge. You're just a powerhouse. And I... I'm so inspired by everything you're saying. And I'm going to do the Elise plan. I will. I promise I will. And thank you for all the work that you do. And thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I love this conversation. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Sex, Body and Soul. Remember, you can find all my favorite products and resources to support your health and sexual wellness through my one-stop shop, The Body Agency. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast listening platform. We are actually partnering up with Vital Voices to get much-needed dignity kits to the refugees in Ukraine. Girls and women do not have access to personal hygiene products that keep them safe and healthy. Please go to thebodyagency.com to donate a dignity kit today. Be sure also to sign up for our email list at The Body Agency for the latest curated recommendations from our industry experts and use our special promotional code PODCAST10 to get a 10% discount. Thank you for listening.